Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Brilliance Security Podcast. Hello, my name is Steve Bocut, and I am an editor for Brilliance Security Magazine. Brilliance is an online digital publication dedicated to the security industry. Our mission, and thus our name, is to illuminate the intersection of physical and cybersecurity. We cover both of these security domains by publishing original content about threats, hacks, products, and security strategies. We hope you will enjoy this podcast and visit us at brilliancesecuritymagazine.com. Welcome to the Brilliance Security Magazine podcast, and thank you for joining us today. We appreciate your listening. Today, we are talking with Zev Dreyer, Vice President of Corporate Strategy for Niagara Networks, and we will be discussing some steps corporations can take to shore up their security posture in this new work-from-home world we all find ourselves in. Zev has more than 20 years of experience in information and communication technology markets with a unique mix of technical sales and B2B digital marketing, marketing knowledge. Zev excels at analyzing and understanding market needs, as well as defining winning offerings and building creative solutions for new and existing clients. Welcome, Zev. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Stephen. Um, I'm looking forward to this conversation. It's going to be fun. So before we get too deep into the conversation, tell us a little little bit about Niagara Networks. Most of our listeners probably know who you are, but kind of round it out for us. Size of the company, scope, core competencies, stuff like that. All right. So good. So I will start from uh, maybe a brief introduction. So for those that are not really familiar with Niagara Networks, uh, Niagara Networks, we're focusing on providing network visibility solutions. Um, company is based in Silicon Valley and founded in 2017. So it's pretty much a young company in terms of uh, dimension, size, and uh, the milestones that we did. But we already did uh, a lot of good stuff during the last uh, three and a half years. Uh, we're self-funded and owned by a parent company named Interface Master Technologies. Uh, the parent company is active for more than 20 years, so it's like a spin-off from, from that company. And uh, we, we have global coverage and our solution installed in the uh, world's most prominent networks in terms of uh, defense agencies, uh, 500 fortune companies and the different type of verticals. So. I assume again, it's a, it's a, it's a breath of a variety for a young company. It means, awesome. that, there is a mar- it, it means that there is a market. Uh, in terms of use case and applicability, so our solution deployed typically in the core networks as mediation layer between networks and cybersecurity tools. Uh, the, value, the value of our solution is really to empower security and network operations uh, with end-to-end deep visibility and actionable traffic intelligence, uh, typically at the packet level. So uh, regardless if it's, it's, if it's a physical or virtual network. Awesome. So that's natural for uh, Niagara Networks. All right, thank you so much. All right, so let's discuss, um, tell us what companies can and should be doing to provide or hopefully even exceed our pre-work from home um, levels of security. We're all kind of dispersed now working from home. We thought we had security contained and thought we knew what we were doing and that kind of got blown apart with this pandemic. So tell us what, what companies can and should be doing to, to get back to where we were. 
Yeah, inside out, kind of uh, surprising dynamics for sure. So maybe before we, dis we dive on security posture and steps for corporations to take, uh, let's start from the big picture outlook. Uh, we just entered into a new digital era that anything is possible and almost everything can be done uh, remotely. Uh, but the more we connected, the less we secure. <laughs> it's, a, right. it's an interesting stage that we, we suddenly grasp and, and understand. And everything is digitally connected via those interdependent wireline and wireless networks uh, that contain telecommunications, embedded systems, and, and critical infrastructure. So we're witnessing sort of uh, interesting paradox uh, in one hand, uh, an easy and fast access to network and data makes the business uh, successful, but ironically, um, also makes sensitive information and business continuity more vulnerable to cyber threats. So that's kind of a paradox that we live in today. Um, this new dynamics present uh, huge challenges to security and network operations teams. That, that's really one of those areas that we suddenly understand that even if we thought we were prepared, we're not really prepared. Mm -hmm. uh, they, they need visibility across this complicated and dynamic battlefield. They really call it battlefield because we're gonna discuss, you know, how the threats, how the, the attackers and defendants really go one each against each other. Uh, corporations uh, need very tight collaboration between security and network operations to do more with less. You know, right now, even if we say that we, you can expand your budget endlessly, it's still not enough, you know, regardless of what you're going to say. And uh, they need to ensure they can sustain the balance between uh, uh, the business continuity and the security posture. So think about if we need to take security strategies of corporations, Typically, um, let's think about the challenges that uh, corporations they have. They, they need right now because most of the workforce removed from the corporate or the, the, the office to homes. Suddenly they need to ensure that the same quality of experience uh, performed to remote employees, uh, partners, channels, suppliers, think about logistical complexity. You know, it's, it's a nightmare. And all of them need to get the capacity, the right security, the adequate security, and the service level agreements, because it's something that uh, paramount if uh, you, you do some substantial mission critical activity. Now, those corporations are facing those challenges and think about the complexity. Suddenly they need to increase the VPN capacity upgrades. It's something need to be done overnight. Uh, by the way, the announcements that you heard on the media from Siemens, think about 250,000 employees suddenly got this mandate to work from home. Fujitsu, 80,000 employees, they have this new norm of uh, working from home. Now, how are you really going to be connected? So think about the nightmare of how you need to be agile in terms of corporate in order to allow this as a statement, in the, as a press release. So I think from those agile steps, uh, the first, I would say in the playbook, the first part of the playbook will be the, to update the corporate uh, security policy. And the security policy with incident response descriptive plan. What happens if, if then, you know, who is responsible? What is done in terms of disaster recovery? Uh, including compliance and regulations that suddenly became uh, very important, which means you have privacy laws, you cannot really intercept the traffic of employee. You have sensitive, if you're healthcare, you have those uh, very sensitive records that maybe you need to decrypt in order to analyze if you have uh, 
hostile attack because the, the hostile attack is also, also encrypted. Yeah. So you have this paradox, uh, which is suddenly creating uh, sleepless nights in terms of CSOs and CIOs, and again, everyone that is really involved in this activity. The other part is really uh, on those uh, agile steps is uh, to allow your own teams, the security network operation teams, to extend the access to remote data and tools. Uh, think about if I'm security guy that suddenly got dictated to work from home, I need to do the same stuff to get the access to the same tools, but now remotely. So I need to make sure that this whole access of me as employee that handling security will be adequate and compliant and you will have this visibility across so many endpoints. Uh, the number two in terms of those steps is really alternative access. What if your home connection went down and you don't have access right now? It could happen, you know, AT&T or anyone that uh, provide you this uh, home connection and maybe the network, the wireline network will go down. So you will need to use hotspot. Maybe you will need to use your mobile phone as, as access. So think about this complexity of uh, this remote access to corporate and also cloud services. You have overlay and underlay networks. Uh, the overlay could be SD-WAN that's suddenly bypassing the traditional MPLS networks. The, the underlay that could be wireless 5G that's suddenly much faster, but uh, you have different type of uh, mechanism to be connected to. The other step is really to redesign uh, the infrastructure. You really need to expand and optimize hybrid architecture that is physical and virtual. Think about how many virtualized services you consume today in terms of corporations and enterprises. And your, even your security tools today, your firewall could be virtualized. You can spin it in seconds. You can load it in different geographies. You can decide that you scale up and down uh, your capacity of uh, security tools based on the attack or requirements. Uh, number four is really to implement network segmentation to limit the, the lateral movement or attack surface. What happens if you have security breach? Now, if the movement is east-west inside the organization, now you need to detect this on time and maybe create segmentation that will not allow to go farther. So those complexities in terms of agility are really much important. Um, the other part is really elim eliminating the blind spots uh, to ensure full access and visibility across the entire security stack for network operation center, security operation center, and, and different tools that exist there. So practically, if you think about all those complexity regulations, you know, think about regulations. If you have a security breach, you need to report uh, based on the, the, the directive in 70, 72 hours. Now you need to involve your HR, you need to involve your PR team, you need to have decision in terms of the corporate. What are you gonna do? How you need to declare it? If you're a public company, you have different, uh, obviously, objectives. If you're a private company, you have different objectives, depend on which vertical. If you, have, if you need to go to a court, you need to have forensics, you need to have these records. What happened in your network? If you don't have it, if you lost data, you have a problem. You cannot go into court to have, and say, I had a security breach and you have no evidence. Yeah, exactly. So, so you know, you, you, bottom line, you really, you know, in this uh, strange world, you cannot really secure what you don't know and see. So with that said, it doesn't matter how much uh, you know, effort you invest and how many technologies you have like artificial intelligence and machine learning and dozens of analysts, security analysts, uh, they cannot inspect what they don't see and don't able to see. 
So that's why basically this visibility is equal to intelligence because you need to know and understand what's happening across your network. Wow, that is fascinating. And, and as you were talking there, it got me thinking, you know, this, this agility was kind of forced on to us, forced agility, if you will, right? And agility has always been a business principle that, you know, we espouse as something that we all seek after, right? Just be able to change. Um, but this was kind of forced on us and forced on us all at the same time. So if you had to, to give kind of a, a, a grade, a scorecard, if you will, and I know each sector is different and each company and enterprise is different, but just from your perspective, I'd be interested to hear, how are we doing? Or, I mean, we've been at this for a number of months now, right? Um, are people adapting or are we all just kind of hanging on by a thread waiting till we can get back into our, our brick and mortar buildings with our, <laughs> our networks? Uh, you know what? You probably hear someone typing near, near my, you know, and oh. <laughs> working from home. Yeah. So actually, it's, it's funny. It's my wife. She's, she's working for Amazon Web Services okay. and she's working from home. And, sure. and think about this is their new norm uh, instead of being at the office. So now we have the kind of back-to-back situation here that I'm working from home, she's working from home, and we're sitting at the same table. Yep. And I'm doing this interview with you <laughs> on and the so podcast, and, and, you, and listeners can, can hear this typing. They think probably I'm typing, but not. I'm not that kind right. of multitasking. And, so. and you may very well hear my dog bark in the background, because that's just what happens, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, so would you say enterprises generally, though, are, are a B, a B plus, a C? How are we doing? Um, yeah, well, well, B2B, especially the digital companies, they just prepared for this moment. You know, you could see like two parallel economies right now. I, you know, some people are talking about what's happening in the economy and the stock market. And you could sure. see that, you know, some people saying it's, it's a V recovery, it's a L recovery. And yeah. some people say it's a K recovery. What does it mean it's a K recovery? You have uh, those enterprises, the B2B digital companies that are going up because they prepared for this moment. Remote work is very tangible for them. It's very agile for them because they took those measurable steps. And you have the old economy that you really need presence. And suddenly yeah. this economy is going down. I think that, that that's painful, I think, for the entire industries, uh, you know, suddenly to see this, this paradox. Yeah. Um, so in terms of, uh, you know, if people... If you think about it, you know, people get used to it, which means it's, it's suddenly will be the new norm. It suddenly will give you a bit of uh, more comfort zone because suddenly it's a shock. Obviously, we, we, you know, most of us, we are human. We, we need society. We need to communicate. You know, it's nice that we have Zoom and we have video, but still you'd like to shake hands. Right. Uh, but, and, and obviously some business processes will be more complicated, but I think that, you know, the industry is starting to adapt uh, a lot of c-level people suddenly say just a second so if i can really control my uh, work from home employees i really can utilize them effectively why should they use spend money on renting why should i think about this expense in my balance sheet of real estate Um, which means we will see a lot of uh, radical changes you know time will tell but you know b2b is definitely especially the digital companies they're adapting very fast the agility is the second name of those guys yeah including us again we can't do it uh the traditional economies and uh, the businesses they, they they have hard time right um yeah yeah that's that's fascinating. Thank you for that. I hadn't really thought of it. That was insightful to me. A K recovery. I can see that, right? I can see how that's, that, you know, those people who depend on Brooklyn Water, they have to get back to, exactly. to build widgets yeah. or whatever they do. If they're in manufacturing, um, they may not be recovering in the same way that those of us who 
uh, could have been working remotely um, you know, for a number of years. So uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about the big operational differences between attackers and defenders and how that has put some security groups at a severe disadvantage. All right, welcome back. So Zev, tell us, what are some of the operational differences, be differences between attackers and defenders and, and why is that even important? Yeah, well, you know, I'll start from the fact that the volume, velocity, and variety of attacks is something we never faced before, uh, which means if you are not afraid, you don't understand the problem, period. You know, it's, it's uh, the attack surface is expanding, everything is connected, dynamic, massive move to digital. We discussed about it previously before the break. Uh, businesses has increased exposure to those attacks if uh, unfortunately you know the, you, you need to expose some of your activity outside uh, creative and sophisticated attacks performed in massive scale it's it's no more just a small uh, uh, teenager that doing this stuff it's much more complicated and threats are constantly evolving so uh, with with all the accelerated technology changes still the it and security teams overwhelmed and they always reactive. Uh, there, it's like this new reality that you have one step before uh, somebody is, is more smarter than you, that he's faster than you and the first punch is, is his. Sure. Um, if, you know, and let's assume that you know, today's uh, typical attacker is skillful uh, and well-equipped with various uh, hacking tools that can easily exploit a small vulnerability or large. Uh, now let's multiply the problem by number of remote workers and the number of connected elements. And uh, from laptops, mobile devices, and complete set of your smart home, IoT, sensors, whatever you got this, you name it. Uh, and you get a formula that is really complicated in terms of your, your disadvantage when you need to secure something. Now, you, you asked me about people, and I think the human uh, uh, factor is very important. You know, for me, when I'm getting email and I see a specific thing that is bothering me, I'm checking this. I'm not clicking on it. You know, most of the people, if they see something familiar, uh, typically they just uh, take it as a simple process. They don't think too much. And uh, manipulation or, let's say, the, the social engineering attacks are, are a handful you know, on that level. Um, so... Uh, a kid in a basement, um, you know, can be part of, uh, the, you know, advanced persistent threat attack uh, that organized by totally distributed cybercrime shaded enterprise. And cybercrime as a service ecosystem is one of the biggest reasons why the cybercrime industry grows dramatically. Uh, you know, think about it, it generates uh, more than $1 trillion in one year, you know, in terms of revenue. So it's a huge market, you know, think about the, the, the motive. Obviously there are different time of motives, uh, the data, uh, the espionage, but if we're talking about just a pure cyber crime that, uh, to make money, it's a huge market. And if specific target is identified, it's just a matter of time. Um, you know, I remember one of the CSOs uh, said that enterprise divided by two types. You know, the ones uh, that hacked and the ones that hacked, but they don't know that they have they've oh, been hacked. Exactly, right. <laughs> so, the, so this means that you need re real-time visibility on your entire assets uh, that need to be protected. As, as I said previously, you cannot really secure what you don't know and, and see. So visibility is sort of intelligence that required. 
but but let's understand you know we, we started to talk about security groups and uh, their uh, disadvantage or let's say the, the severe disadvantage that they have so you know one thing when you look at it you, the security incident detection takes too long mm -hmm. you know, it's it's a matter of fact uh, it takes too long and uh, that's a problem because if when you discover it it's already late uh, and sometimes you're j just invisible and uh, you cannot really see it and the modern IT architectures uh, create new blind spots for network monitoring and security. So, uh, you know, including regulations, you know, when I mentioned previously that you have suddenly regulation of privacy and you're not allowed to decrypt private, da private data, but what if this data or this flow of traffic belongs to attacker? So if you cannot decrypt it, so you're blind, yeah, which means exactly. you already have this uh, Trojan horse. And, um, when I mentioned APT cyber threats, uh, they use sophisticated tools, you know, they, they encrypt their attacks, they're invisible, they use very modern uh, artificial intelligence and machine learning, they hide those uh, command control, malware and exfiltration. And um, the other part is that the, the power of uh, cybercrime as a service ecosystem is huge. Um, it's a distributed shared structure uh, you wouldn't believe it, but you have project managers, you have product managers, you have uh, actually like a total enterprise, which is shaded. Uh, they, they're all connected. They, they, everything is done remotely. Think about also the, the shared knowledge base. There is a dark web. So think about that uh, your security teams need this dark web intelligence, you know, to, to discover new attacks, uh, new uh, groups, based on verticals, actually they're organized based on verticals. If it's uh, industrial, uh, if it's espionage, if it's a uh, financial attack. So typically those groups really focusing, they, the focus is one of those uh, good strengths of the attackers. Um, the other part is really the IT tools, efficiency and agility. And this is also connected to us, you know, as Niagara. Uh, basically the idea is given the fact that you always will be behind the, the capacity and your security tools need to keep up with this capacity and, and uh, being able to scale up uh, based on the attacks or detection criteria. So attackers always one step ahead. So if your security tools, uh, you need to deliver the right traffic uh, to the right tool. You need to optimize the data to match capacity of your security tool for inspection. And it means that you always need to go and verify, regardless of your CapEx and OPEX that you're thinking about, sure. uh, which, which is very important because you're, you're a business at the right. end of the day, exactly. which is you don't have unlimited resources. But, you know, in order to optimize this thing and still cope with it, it's, it's, uh, it's really uh, not easy stuff. So, you know, I mentioned actually advanced resistant threat uh, progression, or let's say the, the acronym of APT. And... Um, you know, in terms of uh, acronyms, a lot of acronyms in cybersecurity taken from military jargon. Something right. that people, you know, reconsense, rec uh, you know, this is a military jargon, lateral movement. There are sure. many definitions that probably listeners, uh, when they think about where it's coming from, it's actually coming from the military. So, you know, on those advanced resistant threats, typically progression, you have three stages that usually they happening and uh, it's very complicated to, to defenders to, sure. to, to be able to detect them, uh, which means you could see that uh, the first step, step is intelligence. You know, they, they really detect what area they would like to attack. 
You know, the second one is really this, this uh, network infiltration, which is they need to understand what is open, what is closed, what is the weak points, uh, whether we need social engineering, which will be active or passive, uh, what kind of lateral movement we're going to do, which means detecting the moving up in organization hierarchy to access sensitive data is important. And typically number three is this extraction of uh, the data that you need. And after that, the, you need to go out without being detected. So now how they do it typically, you know, they create this uh, strange white noise tactics uh, to distract the security teams. You know, so you think about one thing, but it's happening on different. And, and it, this is a cat and mouse uh, game. Uh, they even create many times fake uh, denial of service attacks uh, on honeypots, you know, to, to, to create those uh, small spikes that suddenly the security team distracted completely or they don't understand where it's coming. So it, again, it's one step ahead and this is their biggest advantage. And obviously, as I said, the, the broad ecosystem and the, the, the expertise and focus. Right. Yeah, that's interesting. And it makes me think, so one of the, the fuel that runs our economy is innovation. So there's a tendency, I think, among business and security leaders, once you feel um, threatened, you want to pull in your horns, kind of retract, but that, that kills innovation. So how do we, how do companies continue to innovate um, while minimizing risk? Are there is anything come to mind for you that, that people should be doing? Yeah, it's a very holistic question, I have to admit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, you know, security practices need to match business objectives and innovation objectives to keep successful and nimble. Um, sure. You know, innovation robot will need to take into account the fact that risk will continue to be the silver bullet uh, in current environment. Uh, I can be even blunt and say, you know, expect the unexpected. Sure. Uh, we should anticipate many changes that will happen in, in fast and radical paces. And, and this is the new norm. I think that we, we, we do understand that things uh, are very fast in, in what's happening. Just to give you an example, in terms of digital transformation that was so talked about it for, for many years, um, it's interesting that this evolution was supposed to happen like three to five years from now. Mm -hmm. And guess what? Everything accelerated in less than five months and yeah. specifically the IT environment. That, that's fascinating because think what happened. You know, something that was supposed to take so many years suddenly in a blink of an eye, five months. Because and, we had to. What you have exactly, to you do, right? It's, it's usually what happens when you at the edge and you need to react and you have no choice, this is what you do. So let's face it, there is no other choice and we must adapt the agility innovation. It's, you know, it's complicated across the board, but paramount for corporations that run their business in highly dynamic and unpredictable environment, which means think about even uh, public companies. They, they in, I think in Q2 reports, financial reports, some of them said, I cannot predict my future uh, income. Well, let's say I cannot really, I don't wanna declare right. on my, my, my next quarter. Right. Because I don't know, which means I have so many unknowns. Um, so to make the point, you know, if we, we really see um, the corporations and what, what's happening in terms of this uh, innovation and agility, um, it's the reality of life. You know, we have no choice today. And to make the point even more interesting, uh, since innovation always is connected with some kind of human uh, element, Mm -hmm. um, it's an important factor in corporate innovation, uh, typically. 
and, and critical to mitigate risk, which is it's a dual sword story. Okay. Sure. So the classical and natural human behavior uh, is to reject animals. <laughs> right. Exactly. That's, very, that's very normal. It's very human or anything new that disrupts their comfort zone. So I can loudly say that in perception, uh, probably 80, 70, 80% of people don't like changes. You know, it's very normal. Uh, usually those make the changes are 20%, the, the brave ones. Uh, and innovation designated many times as the old phrase of uh, moving beyond your comfort zone. Right, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's an interesting phrase. So in order to drive faster and easier um, pace of innovation uh, and keep the risk to minimum, um, you need to focus on this audience and prefer education and strong belief system, establish strong belief system. Sure. Uh, we need to be credible and say that you never can get insurance that it's not going to happen and uh, corporate should set uh, their credible messages and educate on risk and ensure that everyone's clearly understand them. But I believe that genuine messaging and clear security directive enables credibility. So with that said, um, getting back to practices, uh, probably the first step is to set corporate directive and communicate, especially now that everything is done remotely. Corporate strategy must uh, involve uh, security operation as part of this innovation stages because, you know, in business decision planning and business enablement, they have a, a, a say. Uh, so the security team always dictate, you know, security teams typically dictated by paranoia, which is the first <laughs> thing is no. Right. I want to deploy a new application. Uh, let's wait. I need to check it out. And, and, and those threats that they consider that are inside and outside. So I have to admit that they are totally right you know, in one hand. You know, sure. the paranoia is important in terms of security. So there are so many threat vectors in uh, today's uh, new digital infrastructure that you cannot really trust anything and anyone. Uh, but again, uh, to make the point clear, I think part of the innovation stages uh, that uh, discussed previously, the security team to, the, to avoid blocking the innovation and keep the agility up because we'll need to adapt new stuff. Uh, we need to involve and create this uh, collaboration. Uh, yeah. The sooner the better. Interesting. All right, so we should probably wrap up here, but before we do, um, what else is there that our listeners should know about Niagara Networks. What questions should I have asked that I that I didn't? Or what What do you think are should, should I do? Should I do promotion? Should I do promotion? <laughs> a <laughs> no, gentle I, I promotion. Think, I, okay, so maybe a couple of things about Niagara that maybe we didn't discuss. We we are one hundred percent made in USA. Uh, we design, develop, and produce our solution domestically in Silicon Valley, and have amazing access to innovation ecosystem. It, it's 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 very important because when you you know especially today with you know. Sure. Previously, the world was uh, flat and, and there was globalization. Today, everybody got yeah. back to this uh, nationalism and, and it's normal. Uh, so I think, you know, the fact that we are 100% made in USA, we, 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 can, be, uh, we can deliver the, our own intellectual property. We can have security uh, resolution internally in terms of development processes and stages. Uh, the other part is that our Technology Alliance ecosystem that announced earlier this year, uh, continue to grow uh, and innovation is part of our story. Okay. <laughs> we collaborate with well-known uh, large partners. Uh, you, for listeners that would like to, to see, they, they uh, more than welcome to look to our website and, and browse it to the Technology Alliance section. You will see a lot of interesting names. Okay. And at the same time, we enable smaller innovative startups to be part of our ecosystem and empower their solutions. So it's kind of a win-win 
a game here because uh, security market is one of the most fragmented markets uh, that you ever find. It is, uh, right? So, so you, you need this ecosystem, you need this collaboration and, uh, and it's good, I think, in, in that level. Uh, maybe one more thing that is interesting in terms of our overall success. So we had uh, major customer wins actually during the first half of this year. Um, we cannot That's... really disclose uh, the names that were under NDA. Sure. <laughs> but can, but that, I can only something. hear that. Yeah, I can <laughs> hear that one of the news, uh, the new wins uh, is world largest mobile operator. Oh, Let me just uh, close awesome. this one. Yeah. And, and given the, the, the time that we're in right now, that's, that's saying something. Um, Zev, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. I really appreciate it. I enjoyed the conversation. And a big thanks to our listeners for being with us today. Please remember to like and subscribe if you find this podcast interesting. And join us next time for another episode of Brilliance Security Magazine podcast.